don't know about you. That music makes me want to dance, doesn't it, Austin? So, either that or I've had too much caffeine this morning, but it's glad to see you all. Um, brave that icy weather is actually fine over near Leesville Road, but as I came this way, it, uh, there was that black ice that we all had to be safe as we were driving along. But it's great to be with you this morning. Um, today, we're going to continue in the series called Upgrade. And I don't know about you, have you ever said something or done something only to get on the other side of it, or maybe years down the road, and you realize, ooh, that just was not a wise idea or a thing that I did. Now, some don't have to think too far back to remember that. We realize that our wisdom is lacking. And so we've been in this series called Upgrade, and it's been all about trading our wisdom for God's wisdom. The Bible says that God's wisdom is supreme. It is better than gold, better than silver. Put it in whatever terms you can think of here and now. And his word and God's wisdom is far greater. So we're going to wind up uh, the series today. And if you've enjoyed the series and what we've been going over, I want to encourage you to get a book because a large part of what we've been looking at has come from a book by Andy Stanley called The Principle of the Path. Andy Stanley, The Principle of of the Path. And so I just encourage you, if you want to dig a little bit deeper, to go ahead and take a look at his book. But each week, we've been looking at a wisdom principle. So the past three weeks, the first one was my direction, where I'm going, not necessarily my intention, It's my direction that's going to determine my destination. What you've got to do is get your intention behind where you have your direction set. The next week, we talked about that our decisions that we make here and now affect our destination. We have to be able from this side of the decision to look and say, what are the results? What are the potential hazards? And be able to make the decisions that are going to help us get where we want to go. And then Donnie last week was here saying, where you place your trust affects your destination. Because where you place your trust, you're going to lean that way. And it's going to affect your direction. This week's principle has to do with our attention. Our attention. And when I first looked at the principle, I said, I'm not sure. It seems too obvious. I don't want to develop a message around this principle. But as I thought about my own life and was reflecting on the lives of others, I realized that we often act like we haven't learned this principle yet. It's around attention. And I have a dog, a golden retriever, nine years old. And she loves food. If anybody has a golden, you know they love food. And she loves to go for a walk. So we continue to do that a couple times a day. And I've got one of those super long leashes. You can let it go out for about a mile, you know. And that that becomes a problem on cold days like today. I sat in the garage and let her go out. And anyway, um, so I have this long leash. And usually I just put her on it and then I just start walking out the garage. And this happened uh, the end of last year. I started walking out and all of a sudden I heard banging and thumping and I turn around 
and her attention had been grabbed by the recycling bin. She saw some cardboard in there that she was, she said, hmm, that's being recycled. It was her old bone box and it was empty. And she managed to stuff her head into the box and she's just doing this, (laughs) flopping all over the garage. Her attention influenced her direction. And that's what I want to talk about today. Our attention influences our direction. She was blinded. She didn't know what was going on and she was just going all over the place. In our direction, if you remember, every direction has a destination. And so what you give your attention to will influence your direction. And so even though that's not an earth-shattering principle, we see this principle actually show up, not just in the canine world, it shows up with us as well. So God, our creator, understands the way we tick and the way we're wired. And so we're going to go to his word this morning to see what godly wisdom is and what's around attention. So ushers, if you'll come down, I want to get Bibles in your hands. So if you've forgotten yours or you don't have a Bible, please just signal to them. They will give you one. It is a gift from us to you. You can keep it or give it to somebody that doesn't have a Bible. I want to turn there uh, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24. Let me read it. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. As you read that, you get a sense of two paths. One is the preferred path. The other one is kind of a warning saying it leads to a place you don't want to go. One, a discerning person, one who has outstanding perception and perspective, they will keep wisdom in view right in front of them. Literally, it means set their face upon. That's what a wise, a discerning person would do. But a fool, we read, lets their attention wander left and right, just wandering wherever it wants to accept where it needs to be. And it flounders like it has no control, no power to focus in the right place. And it leads to a place that the original audience would have understood when they they said, uh, to the ends of the earth. What the original hearer would have heard was leads to a place where God's chosen people are not. It's where the ungodly would be. That's where you'll end up. You're not a follower of God. You're a fool. That's what they would have heard. There are so many things that can distract us, make us go to and fro, that we need to look at this principle about our attention. Here's something that you can write down about your attention. Your attention can be grabbed or you can give your attention to something. Your attention can be grabbed, or you can give your attention away. In either case, where you give your attention influences your direction. 
The thing with letting your attention be grabbed, it's usually fueled by emotion. In the summer of 1984, my direction was set. I got out of high school in June. I knew I was going to spend the summer at a campground working there like I normally did. And then in the fall, I was going to go to a school in Massachusetts, get my comp sci degree, hang with family and friends. Until I stepped in the office of the owner, my boss, and I saw their granddaughter. And she grabbed my attention. It reset my direction. I transferred my school from New England down south to get close to her. We got married in 1988, right after we got out of school. And now we're going on 25 years of marriage. My att- That's not why I did it. My attention was grabbed. There was this emotion that was fueling that. And a lot of times the emotion is so high that it blinds you from what you're seeing. But this was an example of where it turned out good. Hear me on that. Because often it doesn't turn out that way when we let our attention be grabbed. As middle school, 13 years old. I was in class. We had a sub. Some kids started, you know, uh, acting up. I figured I'll act up with them. They liked it. I became their friend. I felt this emotion like, wow, they like me. I just kept doing all the stuff I shouldn't. My attention was grabbed and it influenced my direction straight to the principal's office. More often than not, when we let our attention be grabbed, it leads to unwise decisions. It leads us to go to ungodly places. And we, many of us wish that we could go back and say, I wish I didn't let my attention be grabbed. I wish that I had given my attention away. When you give your attention away, it's not emotion that fuels it. It is intentionality. It's intention that fuels your giving of the attention to something. It was the year 2000. I did not know that what I was about to give my attention to would actually reset the trajectory of my life for the good. In 2000, it was going well at work. I'd been at IBM for 12 years. Family life was going well. But I went through some personal stuff that was just tough. And I reached out to my church and it fell on deaf ears. I was reaching out, it was a different church, just to understand how do I live out my faith in the middle of this, what I was going through? How does the gospel, how does Jesus Christ play out in this scenario? And I hadn't heard back from them. And so I said on this journey, I went for Christian counseling. And that had a profound impact on me because it spoke to my soul and it did something. And from that point forward, I gave my attention to equipping others on how to live out their faith no matter what life throws at them. My mission field remained my home and friends and family at IBM for six years. And then in 2006... It changed to what I'm doing now. I gave my attention 
to something and it set my direction for the good. Where has your attention gone? Have you intentionally given it away? Or have you let it be grabbed? Has something captured you? Maybe it's been your work that's got you captured instead of your spouse and your kids. And so work is under control, but the family isn't. Maybe your life's been about fun. And so now your grades at school are suffering. Maybe it's been about chasing your desires instead of financial discipline. And so now the term debt snowball rings a bell for you. Maybe you're like me and you wanted friends and it didn't matter at what cost and the consequences. Maybe the busyness of life has captured you and you have ignored your health and now you can't ignore your health. And maybe it's not people. Maybe it's not things that have grabbed you. Maybe it's been fear instead of faith. And so your direction is going nowhere because you're paralyzed with fear. You can't even take a step in one direction or the other. All of us have experienced or are experiencing those things where we wish that we were not distracted, that we were able to look straight into God's wisdom and move that way. Because we understand and we see where our attention is, so our life goes. And God cares about where your life is going. He cares about the direction in your life. And godly wisdom says, give intention to the things that you're giving your attention to. Now you could think, wow, that was a short, short sermon. We could be done. It's much more complex than just a behavioral change. And God Like I said, he created us. He knows what makes us tick. And so I want to explore this a little bit further. I want to look into the Old Testament book of Jeremiah because there were some people that were off on a different direction and God had some words that he wanted to say to his people. So to give you a little context before we actually read the verse, Jeremiah says Old Testament, he's a prophet. God used prophets to speak to people the message that he wanted to say, he often spoke, prophets spoke to, to kings, but delivering a message. And what you've got to understand is the Israelite nation had gotten to the promised land by this point, but they were no longer unified. They were not one. They were divided. There was the northern half, which by this point, by the time Jeremiah is proclaiming this message, the, the northern part had been taken over by Assyria. This is around 722 B.C. And now, when Jeremiah is speaking, the southern half is on a big, big decay, around 597 B.C. Decay everywhere, socially, spiritually, economically, any way you can think of, they were distracted and things were decaying. And now the prophet Jeremiah comes and says these words. Chapter 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
a little more context. This is about, about water here. The best water was streams and brooks. That was the best for them and rivers. But then there was the water that came from the ground through, a, say, a spring in the ground that was collected in the well. That was the second best. And then because rain was scarce, for half the year, there'd be no rain. So they would collect the runoff water in these cisterns. They were carved out of limestone. There was like plaster on the sides and the bottom so that they would hold the water. So this runoff would come in, but it wasn't just the runoff water. There was silt. There were mosquitoes. There were mosquito larvae. Think of it, this big old dirty thing of water. And God says to Jeremiah, you've forsaken me. The image that Jeremiah is painting is the Israelites have traded the best water for the worst water. Their attention had been given to everything, everyone other than God. And as we've seen, as we reflected in the beginning about our own lives, we are so close to these Israelites. We're so like them in many ways. And God wants to say, I want your attention. You see, because by nature, you, me, we are worshipers. We were created to worship. We're going to worship someone, something, period. We are worshipers. He created us to worship. Look at Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. I like if you have the New Living Translation, uses the word home instead of dwelling. Lord, you have been our home throughout all generations, for, for eternity, forever. You see, the one who gives us life and breath, that's our home. That is the one who gives, he says, this living water. You've forsaken this living water. That's an expression for fountain of life, source of life. He's saying you have forsaken that. You remember if you've read the Bible before in the New Testament, Jesus, God coming in the flesh through Jesus, he's with a woman at the well. And if you know the story, she's been searching for things in her life in all the wrong places. And in the middle of the conversation, Jesus talks about if you drink the water that I give you, the living water, you will never thirst again. Because it's through God that we get life. Life for the Israelites, life for you, for me, for all of humanity comes from and is sustained by God. So changing our attention has more to do with loving God than it does changing our behaviors. Changing our attention has more to do with loving God than it does our behaviors. We were created for him. Our existence is for him. And when we're in his home, he has a purpose for us. And it is to give him honor 
and glory. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is so important. It's fundamental. Because if our aim is not to live for God and, and give him honor, then who cares what our attention is on? Right? If it's not for him, I could care less what, what I'm doing in my life. Just let it be about me. But he is the perfect father. He cannot let me and you go on like that without telling you, you weren't meant to live on your own. You were meant to be dependent on me and to worship me. As worshipers, our object, our person of affection and the one we are to be worshiping is God himself. Anything else is like drinking muddy, bug-infested water. We are meant to drink the living water. God says to Jeremiah, you're digging your own cisterns. What he's saying is you're putting your hope in things that aren't meant to hold water. They're going to leak. It's like when we get, we let our attention be grabbed by things of life and we become consumed by the, those things. This is where it becomes a problem, where we're driven by the most important thing for me is pleasure. The most important thing for me is control. Maybe it's avoidance. It's about getting what I want. But our attention can also be grabbed from good things as well. It can be about our kids, our families, our work, our careers, our skills, hobbies, all good things. But when they claim the top spot, the only seat meant for God, when they take that spot, then we're drinking muddy, bug-infested water because it won't hold. Those things won't hold. They weren't designed to satisfy in life. They were meant to give pleasure, but the order is wrong. They end up becoming functional substitutes for what was meant to be real, and that's faith in God, faith in Christ. But we set those other things as the object of our worship, and they become the, the, the means to the blessing that we want. Instead of God, we think if this happens, if I have this, then life will be. But these things deliver false promises. They never come true the way they're supposed to. It's leaky. They never satisfy. And some may say, well, I'm doing it. It's working for me. You have a slow leak. Give it time because it's not meant to be the other way around. This principle here about our, God having our attention and our life being directed by where our attention is, it's a principle. It's a principle you don't break. It breaks you. You don't break this principle. You're not going to beat the odds. God is saying, give me your attention. Give me your affection and I will hold you up in life through the good and through the bad. Because ultimately what we want and what we worship has to change. 
So what's grabbed your attention? You may already know that as I was talking today. But maybe you don't. I want to th- throw two questions at you. They'll come up on the screen. You can write these down. They might help identify where your attention has gone. Ask yourself, what do I have that if taken away, I would be devastated and unhappy? I like to think of a fish out of the water on pavement, just flapping. What do you have that if taken away would be a detriment? The flip of that. What don't you have that if you had, you think you'd be happy because you had it? As you get the answers to those things, that is like drinking sludge. Those things weren't meant to satisfy. You're drinking from a leaky well. And it'd be unwise. And this series has been all about trading our wisdom for God's. So you say, well, what does it mean then to have God's wisdom here? Does it mean I should just apply these words, just meditate on them? Yes, but then it could be easily turned into self-help. It's all about my comfort, my strength, my peace. But true wisdom has nothing to do with us. It has to do with God. Let me read a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him, him being God, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness and redemption. You see, Jesus is perfect wisdom. How do you go about getting wisdom? You flee to Jesus. You run toward him. That's why our slogan and our mission is helping people connect to God. Because it's all about that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you come onto him and believe in him, then he becomes the wisdom and the power in your life. And what that looks like is getting to the point in your life where you say, you'd stop turning from this stuff over here and you turn this way, Bible says repent, it's turning toward him and saying, I've tried all of that. I thought that that would give me what I needed and it hasn't. I don't understand all of it, but I understand that life here and now comes through you. I know the after comes from you, but I got to believe that the here and now comes through you. And that's what your word says. The beginning of true wisdom and the beginning of life is believing upon Jesus Christ. If you have never done that, I want you, don't leave today without checking that card that says talk to a pastor about what it means to become a Christ follower. Find one of the pastors. Talk now. Don't wait for the call later. We would love to talk to you. There are some that say, I know that. I know what Jesus is all about. And I'm so close. I'm just not ready. And you get behind that some more and you realize that there's this feeling of unworthiness and eventually they say, I can't come as I am. And you need to hear that Jesus never accepts you where you are. He accepts you where you are in Christ. You don't get yourself to a point. You come and in Christ, he accepts you as Christ 
is. Christ is fully pleasing to the Father. You'll never reach a point where you're going to think, now I'm worthy. Because it's only in Jesus Christ that you're worthy. No delay. Turn toward him. And some have. Some of your Christ followers and say, my attention's still being grabbed by other things. I'm, I'm still having trouble. It's better or it's still a thorn in my side. And you're wondering, is God's power even powerful enough to, to deal with what's got my attention? And I want to remind you of a verse that is true of those who have placed their faith upon Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For you died. Are you trying to keep yourself alive? You died. The gospel is far richer than a ticket to heaven. It is our salvation, yes. But it is also the power to live out God's will here and now. And so that power and the freedom that you desire is already given to you in Jesus Christ. There's no earning it. It is there. So what do you do? The Bible calls it repentant faith. Again, it's the same thing that we did when we believed on Jesus. We just, we may feel our lives going this way and we turn back and we just talk to God about our motives. Hey, still wrestling with this. Now you can get this wrong. Be very careful with this because you can focus on over here where you failed. God, you know, this to do, I didn't do, and this check. That's the law. That's the Old Testament law. That's not it. Remember, I said this has more to do with loving God than it is about behaviors. But it's still that turn to say, God, here's why I was doing that. And as you talk to him, he's going to make things clear to you. He's going to help you stop yourself from turning inward. And he's going to help you see more clearly. As your attention goes to him, he will influence your direction and he'll influence it for the good. He knows you thoroughly. He loves you thoroughly. He has forgiven you thoroughly. And he's the one that can redirect and orient your, reorient your life as you give him your attention. Imagine what it would look like. What would happen if you allowed God's spirit and his word to work powerfully in your life to reorient what's got your attention? What would it look like for your marriages, for your families, for your free time, for your singleness, for your abundance and resource, for your lack of resource? Imagine what it would look like. I can tell you this, that because you are turning yourself to the one who gives you living water, I guarantee you that all of a sudden those things would display the beauty of God. I don't know what that looks like, but it will display his beauty to others. And I believe and know that there will be life that comes to those things 
Even though circumstances may not change, there will be life that comes to him because you're going to the one who's giving the living water that comes from the fountain of life that will help those things grow. May that be where your attention is with God. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you that you tell us who we really are, why we're here, what we're here for, and even furthermore, you've provided the means to be in relationship with you and to live out all of that. And I pray for all of us here. Lord, some of us know you, others don't. And I pray that just in the hearing today of your word and through conversations with people and music and all that's gone on, that today be the day that somebody gives you their attention and you start to take their life in a new direction. I absolutely 100% trust you with all that because I know that that will lead to good in that person's life and for your glory and honor. Do that, Father. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.